Broadcasting from the Stolen Droids Hangout and discussing everything that has been taking place in the geek world over the past 168 hours. Well, give or take. It's the Stolen Droids Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Stolen Droids Podcast. I'm Zoner and I'm alone. Uh, I feel so very lonely uh, today as I am recording. It is almost May 1st, but it's not. So when you hear this, though, it might be May 1st, May 2nd. I don't know. You'll hear it eventually, though. But greetings. Welcome to uh, our episode. I'm going to straight up apologize right off the bat. You're stuck with me. Uh, Zook and Schmitty are hanging out with Dr. Squishy in the Midwest, uh, Indiana, I believe. They've been hanging out at Think Geek stores, checked out uh, Indianapolis Speedway, a few other things. So, you know, they're still alive. They're kicking. They're doing well. And Colin, he up and went to Universal Studios. Uh, I guess he figured since he's married, he can do what he wants now. And so he and his wife have, have taken off. And he was actually planning on joining me. However, uh, Jurassic Park ride, the T-Rex got him. It was tragic. Blood everywhere. Uh, children are going to be scarred for life after having to see such a such a terrible, terrible accident. But really, was it an accident? I think people may they they may have they may have been gunning for him because you know he is calling after all. So hopefully his his wife will get over his death quickly and hopefully he gets over his death quickly and can join us next week. I, I'm pretty convinced, though, that the reason I'm flying solo this week, despite the traveling, despite the, the T-Rex deaths, is because last week we had four of us on the show and it was just too much for for the Internet to handle. So now it's just me. I've never done a solo show like for stolen droids. I've done I've done solo shows before, but you know, I'm just going to apologize in advance. Sorry, you're stuck with me. I am the guy who goes there. There's a good chance I'll go there because I have nobody to keep me in check. But before I do that, let me give a quick shout out to our sponsors, Geek Factor Radio, Radio KSCR, Krypton Radio, and TrekRadio.net. Thank you guys for all of our your support over the years for our little show that we've been doing. I think we're coming upon nine years that we've been, Stolen Droids has been a thing, and you know we've been doing the podcast now for about six, so... These these guys have stuck with us for a long time, and, and we truly, truly do appreciate it. Now, we have some feedback this week, and unfortunately, I, w- I would love it if Zook were here to help with this, because he's got some insight, I've got some insight, but, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll field the question, I'll, I'll take it. Uh, it's from Ruff, he says, I am in the, me- I am in the market for a mesh, mesh network. Wife has connection issues in the TV room and doesn't even try when in the kitchen. Googling shows me a bunch of options. Uh, Google Eero links us D-Link. And reviews seem to say that they all suffer from not making advanced network options available. Zoner was complaining about the Mesh Kickstarter. Uh, was that Portal or Eero and eventually selected one? So, which one should I get? Any suggestions? Can I hardwire all of the nodes? Will I get better speed? 
I was thinking of putting one in the basement next to the main hub, one in the office, uh, one end of our ranch-style house, and one in the kitchen, other end of the house. Any comments on that? Anything else I should watch for? Thanks for the free IT support, Ruff. Well, Ruff, thank you for your questions. And, you know, I did uh, I, I did talk about my experience quite a bit with with Luma. I I was not happy with their product launch. I actually have a friend uh, who works for the company I used to work for. And I think that I can say this because they told me that they were beta testing through that company. Uh, they didn't seem to think it was much of a secret. Uh, but I, I learned that this project did not go well. Uh, they had some delays and then their their product launch was just abysmal. Uh, Eero actually handled the Luma product launch better than Luma did by handing out credits and and um, discounts to Luma customers who would cancel their order and jump ship over to Eero. So that's what I did. I've been very happy with it. I get about a hundred. I I pay for a hundred down and ten up at home, and I get pretty close to that uh, with the Eero. I have my main unit wired in uh, to my modem downstairs by my computer. And then upstairs in my kitchen, which is at the top of the stairs, I have a unit. And then I also have a ranch house, uh, a rambler. Other end of the house is my bedroom. And I have a unit in the bedroom. And I have absolutely no problems with speed. I have no problems with dropped connections, nothing. It is it is awesome. So I am a big fan of the Eero. I know that Zook went ahead and got the Ubiquity. And I also have a coworker who has Ubiquity. And that seems to be a fairly popular option. I haven't heard anything bad about it. It does not, however, have some of the features that the Eero has, uh, namely parental controls. I can add a unit, you know, my kid's phone. I just picked up a new phone for my daughter uh, yesterday added it to the Eero, so now it's on her profile, and when it's bedtime, internet shuts off. Of course, she still has her data plan, uh, but we we have ways around that as well. Uh, namely, I make her put her phone in my bedroom before she goes to bed. Uh, so there is that. Uh, the Google Wi-Fi, I'm not a big fan of, of Google hardware. I, I loved my Nexus 5. And I think as far as phones go, Google does an okay job. However, they tend to lose interest in their hardware really quickly outside of their phones. Uh, Nexus Q, anyone? And so I I tend to steer a, away from, from Google hardware uh, just because I'm not confident that it's going to be supported or even exist for very long. Uh, one one option that I've seen that seems to be quite popular and quite effective is the Netgear Orbi. And that I've seen on Reddit gets some pretty good reviews. People seem to really like it. Uh, it's only a two unit kit, uh, but it it is considerably easier to set up than any three, three unit kit that's out there. Uh, at least that's what what the rumor has. Um, as far as advanced 
advanced networking. Uh, in my experience, the Ubiquity may have more. Zook would have to confirm this. Uh, but what I've what I've been told, the Ubiquity seems to have a little bit more of the advanced networking options. The Eero is very basic. Uh, there's not a whole lot of advanced network stuff. Uh, they did add custom DNS. They've added a, a few other things. So I do have some advanced networking, but there's not a lot. There's not a lot there. Uh, as far as hardwiring the nodes, will you get better speed? I don't know. It depends on how you're hardwiring them. Is is your house wired for for network? Do you have Cat five, Cat six? Uh, I would imagine that a wired connection is going to be faster and a little more stable. Uh, however, I don't have any problems with my Eros, uh, and they're not wired or they're not hardwired at all. Uh, I I was worried about that. I do have networking in my house, so I could plug them in but I've never seen the need to because the speeds I get are sufficient. Um, okay, what else? Any Anything else you could watch out for? I don't know, man. Just just pick something that, that's going to meet your needs. Uh, if it doesn't meet your needs, take it back. Uh, that would be my suggestion. Uh, but I do, I do like, you know, the Eero. Like I said, I'm a huge fan of it. Hasn't given me any problems, and... And I, I think you can't really go wrong there. So uh, thanks for the feedback, Ruff, uh, for the question, I guess. Not so much feedback, but thanks for the question. Uh, if any of you listeners have any questions, go ahead and send them to us at feedback at stolendroids.com. We will read them on the air. We'll do tech support for you. We'll do, you know, whatever. Answer questions. Tell us how much we suck. Whatever. It's all up to you, but we will read it. Uh, also, I want to give a shout out. We have our first patron from patreon.com. Uh, Zane has decided to chip in and help sponsor the show. So thank you very much, Zane. Uh, he is going to be listed as a, I don't know, contributor. He's, he's going to be in the credits. So, so he gets, he gets all of our love and our undying gratitude. Uh, also, there's a, a social media follow coming and, uh, a couple other things. Uh, I'm going to have to check and see what's going on. Oh, yeah. Early access to our, our podcast. That is something that we need to start, that we are going to start doing. So if you want early access to our shows, I think what's going to happen is we're probably going to uh, do a, a later release date on our show. Instead of coming out Mondays, we'll probably come out Tuesday or Wednesday with our new episode. And then... You know, if you if you do subscribe and do support us on Patreon dot com, then you can get early access on Monday, like you're accustomed to. So um, there is that. So yay! But thank you uh, for for doing that. We do appreciate it. And if you want to, you know, show your love for us, show your gratitude, uh, you can tell us how much you love us for at least uh, as little as a dollar per month. Just head over to patreon.com slash stolen droids and break out the credit card and, and take it there. You know, we we are working on some some even bigger rewards. If you want to get a little bit more involved, uh, we we want to start making some merchandise and, and some challenge coins, things of that nature. So, you know, keep an eye out for that. But we got to start somewhere. So so this is where we're starting. Okay, into our headlines this week. This is going to be fun because, you know, I'm just talking 
and already my throat's starting to to wear out. So hopefully I can make it through the whole show. However, I'm not going to guarantee we've got a full hour this week, but I'll, I'll do my best. I'll do my best. So first headline, we've talked about wearables causing problems in the past. Uh, there was the basis peak that was burning users. Uh, they actually recalled it and straight up just killed the entire division. Intel, I believe, is the parent company there of Basis, killed the entire wearable division because it was such a severe issue that they couldn't resolve. Well, now we've got rumors, well, not rumors, uh, uh, reports of a Fitbit Flex 2 that exploded on a woman's arm. Now, this is the first we've heard of this. We haven't really heard, Fitbit... They've they've got excellent customer service because their stuff breaks down. The bands that they use, the plastic, their their hardware design is very flawed when it comes to the actual uh, wearing it part. The hardware uh, in terms of measuring your steps and things like that works great, but keeping it on your person does seem to be a bit of a challenge. With my with my last Fitbit. I went through two or three uh, customer service warranty returns before it finally just gave up and I went and bought another one. Uh, But we've never really heard of anything exploding uh, from Fitbit. Now, apparently what happened is Dinah Mitchell, Dina, Dinah, I don't know. Um, Let's go with Dina because that sounds like Dina Soar. Uh, so Dina Dina Mitchell was reading a book on Tuesday in her Wisconsin home when her Fitbit Flex 2 exploded. It caused second degree burns and apparently she tore the device off her arm as it was still on fire and the doctors had to remove some melted plastic and rubber from the wound. Uh, she said she'd had the Fitbit Flex 2 for about two weeks before it exploded. Now, Fitbit has come out and said that they're, uh, quote, extremely concerned about Ms. Mitchell's report regarding her Flex 2 and take it very seriously as the health and safety of our customers is our top priority. Fitbit products are designed and produced in accordance with strict standards and undergo extensive internal and external testing to ensure the safety of our users. We have spoken with Ms. Mitchell and are actively investigating the issue. We are not aware of any other complaints of this nature, and we see no reason for people to stop wearing their Flex 2. We will share additional information as we are able, end quote. So Fitbit's taken this seriously. Uh, you know, obviously reports of exploding devices have kind of blown up over the last few years. You know, we've got smartphones with the Galaxy Note 7. Uh, we've had some wearables, as I talked about. And I think really what it's boiling down to is they're trying to pack as much power in as small of a space as possible. And it's just not a good combination. So it'll be interesting to sit back and watch this and see if there's any other uh, issues with Fitbits exploding or if this was just kind of freak uh, one-off accident that really couldn't have been prevented now, speaking of things that couldn't be prevented, um, Verizon needs to get their crap together because what they're doing can be prevented. 
Now, they have just announced a new gigabit internet plan. Uh, and the company has said it's going to cost $70 a month, which if you're familiar with internet pricing is pretty low. I mean, that that's a fairly good deal there. But, you know, like most things, if it's too good, it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Yeah, this is this is the case here. Uh, apparently, the ultra low price is only for new customers who don't already have uh, Fios service, so fiber over internet or fire internet, fiber internet service. Existing customers who've tried to upgrade have been, you know, told that it's going to cost them upwards of two hundred dollars a month, and Verizon. A Verizon representative came out and said that the specific price a customer pays to upgrade depends on what their current pricing is. So basically, if you're paying a lot, you're probably going to pay even more. If you're not paying anything because you're not a Verizon customer, then they're going to reward you and penalize the existing customers as they are so good at doing. Uh, So, I mean, there's a whole lot of confusion going on there. But if that wasn't bad enough... Uh, it turns out that new customers probably won't be paying $70 a month because Verizon's going to be charging them either $10 monthly rental fee for their hardware or a one-time $150 fee for a router. And then even to make things worse, uh, the service is only good for 12 to 24 months. Nobody's really sure. And... After that, it's going to be about $195 per month. And, oh, there's also something that they're not even going to be able to give these gigabit speeds. Uh, at least not yet. So, there's just, yeah, they, they've really screwed this up. They they really need to do better in in their messaging and just in their marketing. They need to They need to stop screwing people around and also stop penalizing your existing customers that's just crap you don't do that that's bs now speaking of bs at&t has has got some marketing going on and i think it was a dilbert comic a few years ago where they were saying how marketing is just alcohol and guessing and I think that AT&T has a lot of alcohol in their marketing department at this point because they have launched a fake 5G network uh, in an attempt to seem innovative. Now, 5G is a thing. It does exist. However, it doesn't exist really yet uh, because there's just a lot of, a lot of uh, intricacies that are going into that 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 have made it not feasible for carriers to switch over to at this point. I think we will eventually see it, uh, but it's going to be a ways down the road. But AT&T is trying to get out ahead of that and say that they have have um, are going to pave the way for the next generation of faster speeds, and their product is called 5G Evolution which is basically just a rebranded 4G offering. There's nothing innovative here. There's nothing groundbreaking. Uh, and it's pretty limited. They're they're only launching it in a few select markets. 
and you've got to have a Samsung Galaxy S8. So if you're in the market and you've got an S8, congratulations, because your internet might be a little bit faster, but AT&T really needs to stop jerking people around as well. Okay, Spotify. I don't really have a way to segue into this, so let's just jump right in. Spotify is doing something. There's a lot of people out there that are saying Spotify is doing their own hardware. I think, though, based on the reports that I've read and the article that I've linked to here in Engadget kind of alludes to this a little bit. I think that they are looking to get more into voice control. Uh, there may be something um, something hardware related as well, which I think is is very likely. But I think the big focus that Spotify is doing right now is they're they're trying to get into more voice control. Because if you look at the Amazon Echo, you know Google Home, things like that, voice control is really where it's at right now. Uh, and so they've posted some job listings looking for. Um, looking for people who can work specifically with their voice team. Uh, they have also uh, indicated that they are, are going to do hardware directly to sp- from Spotify to new and existing customers that, uh, quote, will be, or that, let's see, they indicate that the hardware will be, quote, a category-defining product akin to Pebble Watch, Amazon Echo, and Snap Spectacles. Now, I think what's going to happen here is they're going to come out with something kind of like a Logitech squeeze box. I don't know if you remember those, uh, but it was basically an internet radio could connect to different stations and whatnot. But I think it's going to be specific for Spotify. I also think it's going to have a lot of voice integration and I think that they're probably going to work on more voice integration with the existing products that are out there. I could be totally wrong, but that's kind of my thinking. Uh, I don't think that the hardware is going to be as, as big of a focus, though, like I said. Uh, we will see it eventually, probably. Uh, I have seen companies who are more technology-based, uh, software uh other technology that's not hardware, try and come out with hardware devices. In fact, I have one in my house. It's it's really cool, but it, it's never it's never really gone well. So I'm not sure if Spotify will be able to make this jump. I hope they can, because you know more options out there the better. And and while we're talking about uh, hardware, and you know specifically, I mentioned the the Amazon Echo. Uh, they have a new product. Amazon has announced the Echo Look, which is a voice-controlled camera for fashion tr- fashion tips. So this is kind of weird. Uh, my first thought was, um, why? It's really, why? I, I don't understand it. it. But apparently, you know, they're going to sell a lot of clothes with this. That, that's my thinking. And I think what's going to happen is, uh, well, let me tell you what it what it is first. So it's basically an Amazon Echo, and which is it got a camera in it. So it's an Alexa powered camera designed for taking pictures. And what it's going to do is it's going to look at you after you get dressed and you say, "Okay, Alexa, how do I look?" 
and it's going to say those genes make you look fat. Here, buy these genes instead. And it's going to give you links to stuff on Amazon, which, you know, I think it's kind of cool because now I don't need guys don't need to worry about their wife saying, do these genes make me look fat? You just say, hey, go talk to the Echo. But it does raise some concerns for me. Do I really want a camera that is connected to the internet and is listening and has all of the concerns that we've talked about with the Amazon Echo and with the Google Home and, and these these types of products? Do I want that in my bedroom? Do I want that watching me sleep? Because, you know, all it takes is the right person getting into the wrong place and, or maybe I should say the wrong person getting into the wrong place and life gets really creepy really fast. And there's a whole lot of people feeling violated. Um, that is really my main concern with that. But I do love the fact that it, it will now tell your wife or your girlfriend that those genes probably aren't right for her and save you the hassle of having to answer that question. Now, while we're talking about uh, Internet of Things uh, security, there is a new uh, Internet of Things botnet that could pretty much destroy everything out there. Uh, You may remember last year how a lot of the Internet got shut down, and it turns out that it was because of uh, some Internet of Things devices that got that got hacked and turned into a, a botnet that caused a gin, giant uh, distributed denial of service attack. Well, there is now an even nastier version of this out there, and it, it it's a problem. In fact, there's two nastier versions of it. Uh, it's called BrickerBot, and they have been spotted in the wild. So it's not like they're in a lab environment. These are out there. These can cause problems. So if you have any net, any Internet of Things devices, you know, smart thermostat, smart toaster, uh, we've talked about the smart vibrator on this show, you know, any of those things, any devices that are connecting to the Internet, uh, at least change their the default passwords on them. Do something to try and secure these so that they're not taken down and completely... Uh, making everybody's life miserable. And as, as while we're on the topic of security, um, there's a lot of Android devices out there, a lot of Android devices out there that are um, infected with botnet malware. And it's not that people went and downloaded these applications from shady locations on the Internet. They got them from the Android Play Store. And that's a problem. Uh, The malware has been dubbed False Guide uh, because it seems to be exclusively in guide apps. So if you download, you know, Clash of Clans guides or, you know, whatever the case may be, if, if you're reading these guides and downloading them, it's very possible that you are have been infected. And what it does is when it's installed, it, it requests administrator access, which is more savvy Android users are going to catch. If it's your 12-year-old, he's just going to click accept and you're, and 
be on his way and he's infected. Now, what happens is when it's run by the user, it registers uh, with a, a Firebase cloud messaging topic and receives additional modules to go ahead and begin its work. And at that point, you know, uh, we got problems. Uh, it's currently uh, used to display pop-up ads out of context in order uh, to make money for the operators. But, you know, it can be used because it's a botnet uh, for a DDoS attack, which, you know, you don't want to be you don't want to be involved with that. Uh, Google has removed all instances of it from the Play Store. But who knows how many people have actually gone ahead and installed it at this point. Uh, it could be out there. They're, they're thinking it's in the, million, in the millions. But, you know, maybe you just want to steer clear of those, those guide apps anyways. And I think we've got one more security, one or two more security things here. A couple more. Um, there is new Mac OS malware out there. And this is this is scary because it was signed with legitimate Apple ID credentials. Uh, it, what it does is it, it spies on your HTTPS traffic. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because uh, McAfee Labs says that attack on Mac computers were up 744% last year. And... There are about, well, just under half a million Mac malware samples out there. So, yeah, that's that's kind of crazy. Um, but this malware is, is being called Doc. Uh, it's distributed via a coordinated email phishing campaign. And it's really the first major scale malware to target Mac OS users. We've talked about Mac malware in the past. But this is this is kind of a big deal, and just the sheer volume and the fact that it uh, installs a new root certificate on the target system uh, that has been that's coming from uh, a assigned you know assigned Apple ID. It's Apple has approved this ID, and so it bypasses Gatekeeper, which is the inbuilt security. That's, that's designed to stop stuff like this from happening. And then to make things even more complicated, once it's once it's done its job, it copies the malware and then it does some stuff to make it, it persistent, it uninstalls. So it's it's not a not an easy one to to try and and track down. Uh, so yeah, Apple can just res uh, issue uh, or resolve the issue by revoking the certificate, uh, but users are still you know at risk. So if you don't know what you're clicking on, don't click on it. Generally safer that way. Okay, what's next? Oh, last last security thing here, uh, Webroot. This is interesting because Webroot may be onto something. If you're not familiar with Webroot, it's a popular antivirus service. And it has done a couple things this week of note. First of all, it mistakenly flagged some core Windows system files as malicious. And it even started removing them, uh, which, you know, just trashed users' computers everywhere. 
If you start removing Windows system files, you're going to have a bad day. And that's what this antivirus that people actually pay for did. And, you know, it was only out in the wild for about 15 minutes. Uh, what happened is the company released a bad update on April 24th. Uh, but it's even though they pulled it after just a few minutes, some PCs have still received the update. And that's causing a lot of problems. And, and not just for like home users and individuals, but for companies. A lot of companies use WebRoot. Uh, so a lot of people will say, you know, well, with the way that Windows 10 decided to push updates and some of the stuff that Microsoft has been doing lately, that's not necessarily a bad thing because, you know, they're they're acting like malware. But the thing is, it's not. It's your operating system. Whether you like it or you don't, it's still your operating system. You need it functional. You can't go deleting core files. Now, the other thing of note that WebRoot did is they started blocking Facebook, saying that Facebook was a phishing site, which considering the security that Facebook has and the pervasiveness of Facebook into our everyday lives, that's not too far off the mark, I don't think. Yeah, that kind of sucks, but Facebook, yeah, I'm not a big fan of that. So I think it's kind of funny that they got they got nailed as, as a phishing site. Now, WebRoot is working on a universal fix. Uh, they do have some workarounds. Uh, it is reported that, you know, if you uh, uninstall WebRoot and then restore your quarantine files from the backup and then reinstall WebRoot, you could be okay. But, you know, how many people have those luxuries how many people have the the backups and how many people have all that stuff that's necessary so i think webroot has kind of kind of screwed themselves here a little bit and it'll be interesting to see to see what happens and and what kind of stuff they do to make things right now switching gears a little bit uh we've talked a lot on this show about cable cutting and moving away from the cable companies they're all kind of dirty. I actually was talking to my mom the other day. She's she's paying $140 a month, I think. $120 a month for her cable. Uh, just an insane amount. And there's a new report out that says that the average cable bill may top $140 within the next three years. I was thinking that was already the case. Uh, everybody that I know who has cable pays at least that. I actually have a friend who was paying well over $200 a month to dish. And then he would get the NFL Sunday ticket, which was another hundred bucks or something that he would pay for. So he was, he was paying a small fortune each month to them, uh, which I think is why you're starting to see so many people cutting the cord. It's just ridiculous. A, a recent report came out and I can't remember if we talked about this on the show last week or not. But 25% of U.S. homes won't subscribe to any sort of traditional cable by next year. And on the flip side of that, subscriptions to streaming services are on the rise. You know, you've got Sling TV, DirecTV Now, PlayStation View. I mean, all these other options that are offering uh, no contract pricing. That's a fraction of what the cable companies are charging. And you're getting the exact same channels. 
which is which is pretty interesting. You know, ESPN laid off over a hundred employees this past week, and part of the reason that they say they did that is because subscriber numbers are down, uh, which makes perfect sense when you look at the market. It it seems to be a dying market that people just aren't willing to take part of anymore. Uh, they they don't want to pay for it. They don't want to be told how to consume their media, when to consume their media. And if if they don't like it, too bad. Now, along those same lines, uh, there's a new survey that says that most millennials pay for both streaming services and, well, they pay for streaming services and they use pirate streams when content isn't legally available. And that's something we've talked a lot on this show about is if you make content available at a reasonable price, people will pay you money for it and and they will be able to, to partake of it legally. Now, it's interesting too because the these people, um, well, let me just read this quote here. It says, uh, this is one of the main conclusions of a new survey conducted by... Uh, Launch Leap, the data come from a survey among millennials between 18 and 35 and zooms in on pirate streaming preferences in this age group. The results show that more than half of the respondents, a whopping 53%, admit to having used illegal services to stream movies or TV shows over the past month. Legal streaming services remain on top with 70%, but interest in more traditional platforms such as TV, DVDs, or Blu-ray is clearly lagging behind. The respondents don't appear to be particularly bothered by their habit. Only 7% of the people questioned say they feel guilty when they watch a pirated movie. The remaining 93% experience no guilt. And I think a lot of this has to go to the to the notion that if they can't get it any other way, why should they feel guilty? Which I can't really, I can't really speak to. I mean, it, it makes perfect sense in my mind. It makes perfect sense in my mind. Now, you know, we've got these cable companies and, and networks that are, you know, feeding us traditional primetime viewing. That's what they want us to watch. And people don't subscribe to that anymore. They want to watch TV when they want to watch it. Unfortunately, I think this this hurts some shows that are fun, like Powerless on NBC just was canceled this past week. I really like Powerless, but I'm going to admit I'm about five episodes behind just because I don't sit down on Thursday nights and watch it. Uh, and, you know, it, it, these industries just don't understand that people don't want us to behave how they think we should behave. And that's that's going to kill them. I, I think it's ultimately going to, to be the nail in their coffin. Uh, changing gears again here. Uh, if you're familiar with Unroll Me, uh, you might want to stop using it. Uh, it came out earlier this week. Well, for those who, who don't know what Unroll Me is, it's a service that will basically unsubscribe you from your spam email. You you give it rights to your, your Gmail account or your Yahoo account or whatever, 
and it will look at your email and it will say, okay, you're subscribed to these services and we will go ahead and unsubscribe you. The thing is, this is actually a marketing company. So what they're doing is they're unsubscribing you and they're gathering data about you and then they're selling it to these companies. Now, it came out specifically that they sold your data to Uber, which seems kind of dirty. It's like you sign up for a service because you don't want another service to be contacting you. And so they, the service that you sign up for turns around and sells your data to that service. Now, the company that owns Unroll Me is, is Slice Intelligence. And they've confirmed that it does sell anonymized data based on, or that they did sell anonymized data based on ride receipts from Uber and Lyft, but they declined to disclose who buys the information. Um, it did come out, though, that, that Uber is buying it. And I'm sure they're selling it to a lot of other people. So if you're using Unroll Me, uh, you may, may want to try and get, Get your account killed there because they straight up sold you out. And since we're on the topic of Uber, Uber just can't seem to stay out of the news. And I really kind of wish they would because I'm getting tired of speaking about Uber. But hey, at least this week I don't need to talk about the president. Um, but it turns out that uh, the New York Times published a, an article saying that the Uber CEO was called into Tim Cook's office. And... It was because they were breaking Apple Store rules. And I believe this happened a couple of years ago. But what was going on is they were they were fingerprinting devices. So once you uninstalled your the Uber app, they could still collect information. And just all that that's a blatant violation of the the terms of use for for the apple store uh but that that just really kind of goes to show uber is not a good company the more we're learning about them in the last few weeks uh months maybe i don't know it, it seems to be for a while but the more we're learning about the way this company operates and has been operating for the last few years they are not a good company, and I think it's probably only a matter of time before before people really start getting sick of their antics because they are uh, they're kind of kind of the douchebags right now of the tech world. Uh, hopefully, they just kind of go away into the night, but I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, but apparently, even though they broke these pretty serious rules from Apple. Uh, they got a slap on the wrist and were basically told, knock it off, and that's it. And our final story this week has to do with uh, Netflix getting extorted. Now, they, Netflix wasn't necessarily hacked, uh, but a studio that Netflix works closely with uh, was hacked, and some of the episodes of their programming was taken by uh, a hacker or hacker group known as the Dark Overlord. Uh, apparently what happened is in July, this studio was hacked. Uh, the hacker 
well, I shouldn't say hacked. We don't know if it was hacked. The ha- this hacker gained access to their servers, whether it was how it happened, we don't know. But regardless, ended up with with gigs and gigs of original programming, including Orange is the New Black, uh, the fifth season of Orange is the New Black, which, you know, pretty popular show. Netflix and, and the studio would not want that floating out and about, I would imagine. And he originally made uh, an arrangement with the studio that the studio was going to pay him to not release it. Uh, the date for that payment came and went. And so the Dark Overlord hit up Netflix and said, here's my demands. And Netflix said, we're not going to play that game. Forget you. And so these episodes have started leaking. Uh, they're up on the Pirate Bay. You can start start downloading uh, episode one of season five of Orange is the New Black now. It, I haven't checked it recently, but it was there earlier. Uh, he's also been posting some other stuff and saying that there's, there's more stuff out there. Uh, he says he's got hundreds of gigs of movie files. And so I, I'm interested to see what's going to happen. Looking at the list of... Of some of the shows that were stolen. I mean, we got Bill Nye Saves the World. I hate Bill Nye. I hope he destroys him. So go for it. Do it. Um, Celebrity Apprentice. I mean, it's not just not just Netflix that's in, affected here. Uh, it's it's quite a few networks. So it'll be interesting to see what how this plays out. I think, though, you know, the studios are going to freak out. We'll probably have... FBI investigations, and somebody will ultimately be arrested for this, but we'll have to keep our eyes on it to see what's going on. So I think that that's pretty much our show for the week. Um, I do have a favorite, though, uh, so you should go check it out. Uh, I've been reading comics for a lot of years, and I got kind of behind, and so this is not a new story, but it's it's called uh, Face the Face. It's a Batman, Batman story. Batman and Two-Face, actually. And it's it's actually really good. The artwork is great. Uh, basically, what it's about is Batman and Robin have been gone after a year of absence, which was during the 52 storyline. Uh, and during that time, Harvey Dent, who is Two-Face, was left as the city's protector. Uh, he's he's better now. You know, he's, he's not Two-Face. He's back to being Harvey Dent. And so Batman and Robin come back and all of a sudden some of their, their enemies, uh, ventriloquist among others are starting to show up dead. So Batman's got to go and, and try and figure out what's going on. What is it? Is it two face that's killing them? Did Harvey Dent go, go mental again? What's happening? So I've been reading it. I really enjoy it. It is a bit older. Um, it is, I'm not even sure when it came out, but it it's a few years old. Uh, they do have a deluxe hardcover edition though that that's coming out this week, so you should you should go and check it out. And it's it, you know let us know what you think. Send your thoughts into feedback at stolendroids.com. Um, again, thank you for listening. Uh, I'm going to apologize for making you sit through. 40 plus minutes, 45 plus minutes of me, me talking headlines. But if you have any thoughts, go ahead and send them to us. Feedback at stolen droids.com. 
Also, go ahead and check out our sponsors. Uh, we do have a lot of them. Uh, Geek Factor Radio, Radio KSCR, Krypton Radio, and, and uh, TrekRadio.net. Also, uh, check us out on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash stolen droids. Uh, find us on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram. We're on Instagram. Uh, I try, do try and do that. And, you know, check out our website. We've been trying to put a lot of work into that and putting up some, some headlines and some news during the week that we don't necessarily talk about on the show. So check that out too. Tell us what you think there. Again, send your thoughts into feedback at stolendroids.com. Until next time, good day. This has been a Stolen Droids Media Production.